Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti. Jamie is at Lightning underscore round. And we are here to review the Chargers' first preseason game. They won 13-6 against the SoFi rivals, the Los Angeles Rams. And there's a lot of storylines to take from this thing. So we're going to go like we've done this so many times. We're going to do offensive storylines, defensive storylines, talk about some special teams, depth chart, all that. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about the offense. Uh, what'd you like from the game on Saturday? So the first thing that stood out to me, and I noticed it about halfway into the first possession, was they were playing with pretty good tempo. They were out of the huddle quickly. They were substituting in and out very efficiently. There were there were no delays. Um wasn't taking them a long time to get people in and out of the game. And once they were out of the huddle, they were up to the line of scrimmage and they were snapping the ball pretty quickly. It seemed like in most cases, the ball was being snapped with somewhere between 10 and 15 seconds left on the clock. And they weren't really letting the defense settle in and get their matchups and, and figure out what they were going to do. And once the ball was snapped, ball was out fast. They weren't asking Chase Daniel to hold on to the ball, which is something that I don't think anybody wants to see him do. Um, mm-hmm. He was three, five step drops, couple reads, ball was out. More often than not, the ball was out and going to um, Josh Palmer, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But I like the tempo. I liked how clean they were on offense. I don't remember any delays of game with either quarterback in the, in the lineup. Um, I don't remember really any issues getting people into or out of the huddle. Um, it was just very clean, very efficient. Uh, very prepared, uh, which was impressive considering lots of new faces and entirely new coaching staff. Uh, they're working with the backup quarterbacks. They're running all the backup receivers and running backs in and out of the lineup, second and third string offensive linemen. And yet they played a very clean, very efficient, very up-tempo game. And they changed the tempo as they needed to, depending on what was going on in the game. So those are all positives. I think if you can do that with Chase Daniel and do that with Easton Stick in the lineup, you can certainly do that with Justin Herbert. You can spread people out, move the ball around, um, and kind of manipulate them into doing what you want them to do on defense, which is a hallmark of Brandon Staley's defense. And maybe now we're going to see that on offense as well. So all good things in terms of the offensive tempo and how they went about getting in and out of the huddle and getting the ball out of Chase Daniels' hands. And they threw the ball a lot early on early downs, yeah. which is something that they didn't like to do uh, when Anthony Lynn was here. So all good no. things. Yeah, no, that definitely stuck out to me. The offensive pacing was 
totally light years ahead of what we've seen from the Chargers in the past. Uh, I loved getting up to the line fast. I love getting the ball out of Daniel's hand quickly. They're really pushing the pace and they're being aggressive. And like you're mentioning, it's a lot like what Staley did with his defense. It's aggressive. They're the one who set the pace. They're the one who set the tone. And that's what they're doing in the first preseason game. So if that's what we're going to see in the offense with the starters on the field week one, that's a thing of beauty. I have no complaints about what Lombardi has done. In fact, I I love the pacing of this first game, and I hope they bring that into the regular season. And, uh, you know, we got to talk about it. You talked about him, Joshua Palmer, the third-round pick. He was the go-to receiver in the game. I mean, really on both sides of the ball. He, he, when he was on the field, he looked like the best receiver on either team during the preseason. Daniel needed to make a third down throw at any point. Palmer was the guy. He was the important guy that they went to on the opening drive. Palmer led the team in catches and yards. He finished with six for 36. Clearly, again, one of the best players on the field. He was getting separation, making tough catches. His uh, route running was crisp. I mean, we saw it all. It wasn't that he was just getting open and sitting in soft zones. You saw defenders draped over him, still making tough catches. There's one where he got hit and he went to the ground and they thought maybe he fumbled it, but he still caught it. There was a lot of lot we saw from Joshua Palmer. It wasn't just open, easy pitch and catches. He made some catches with guys on him. You saw him get separation with his feet. You saw it with his route running. It was awesome. You love to see Joshua Palmer. And I mean, we're talking about you know, a wide receiver three battle opening up here. And uh, after the first game, he looks to be taking the lead here. Yeah. I mean, in the first preseason game, it was clear they were looking for him constantly. Yeah. You didn't really see that many looks for uh, Tyron Johnson. They did try to push the ball down the field a couple times with, Ty- uh, with uh, Jalen Guyton. Jaylen Guyton. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't get the ball to him in those situations, but they tried. And it seemed like they really used Palmer to kind of lull the defense to sleep with the underneath routes. It was, we're going to take what you're giving us for the first half of the first drive. And, oh, you're going to give us six or seven yards off the line of scrimmage? All right, we'll take that and we'll turn it into nine yards and we'll have a second and one. And they just kind of, you know, matriculated the ball down the field, so to speak, and, and kind of they took what the defense gave them. And then once the defense started clamping down and they started creeping up towards the line of scrimmage, they started pushing the ball down the field, trying to get the ball to Guyton, trying to get the ball to uh, Donald Parham uh, on corner routes and things of that nature. So they used Palmer and his route running and his hands as the possession receiver to kind of draw the defense in and lull the defense to sleep. And then they went over the top a couple of times. They didn't have much success going over the top, but they did try. And it Mm -hmm. was those underneath routes for Palmer that really set that up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was great. Joshua Palmer looked excellent. What else on offense did you like, or at least see? Um, well, another storyline for me was the running back depth. Uh, you know, we had kind of a narrative going in of we kind of we felt like we knew who was going to make the roster and who, who had the inside track on roster spots. We talked about Justin Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. probably having that RB2 spot locked down, provided he could stay healthy while well, we find out yesterday – He's already tweaked to groin. He's already hurt. Yeah. Joshua Kelly didn't look all that great. They were trying to use him as a big back, a short yardage kind of back, had some issues moving the pile, didn't show a lot of great vision, wasn't terribly explosive, didn't look all that great. And the guys who we were kind of questioning at the back of the roster, the Larry Roundtree and uh, and Darius Bradwell, they had great games. They showed the vision. They showed the wiggle. They showed the burst. They were able to run people over. Uh, Bradwell was able to move the pile when he needed to and, and score that touchdown down on the goal line. They both converted key short yardage opportunities. They Bradwell and Roundtree, in my opinion, offer things that Jackson and 
and Kelly just don't offer from a vision standpoint, from a wiggle standpoint, they, I think they complement Austin Eckler in ways that Jackson and Kelly don't. Um, and they looked really good. Now it was a small sample size. It was one game and a lot can change during the next two preseason games. But to me, it looked like there was just more energy and more juice, so to speak with, with those guys in the lineup than there was with, uh, Jackson and Kelly and Kelly in particular. I didn't think he looked all that great. Um, on Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm with you on Kelly. I actually, I actually liked what Jackson brought on the game on Saturday. Now, I mean, he's not healthy, so that means nothing if he can't stay healthy. But right now I, I loved what he did. Um, there was a lot of patience in his run early on. He had kind of like this Le'Veon Bell type to him where he was kind of setting up blockers and moving the chains early on. I liked what he did early on. Again, he's hurt. So how long is that going to last? And can you trust him to stay healthy during the season? That's all remain to be seen. But I mean, Larry Roundtree was one of the, if not the player of the game, he was excellent. You mentioned Wiggle. He had a lot of it. He was very decisive on his runs. He had that big run on third down. He sealed the game at the end of the game. And Joshua Kelly, to me, was just dancing way too much in the backfield. He was ineffective. Uh, he was not decisive. And, you know, if all things are equal and Justin Jackson's injury is minor, I mean, how do you not put a guy like Darius Bradwell and Larry Roundtree above what you saw from Joshua Kelly? I mean, it, to me, he'd be towards the bottom of the depth chart after this game. And obviously, again, small sample size. And, you know, guys like Roundtree and Bradwell didn't uh, garner the draft capital that Joshua Kelly did. But, you know, this is a new staff. And I just I just wonder how much longer you could string Joshua Kelly along when you've got what seems to be, after one game and a small sample size, some pretty talented bottom of the depth chart running backs like Larry Roundtree and even Darius Bradwell. But for me, I mean, we kind of went back and forth on you thought, Larry Roundtree would get cut. I thought it was Gabe Neighbors when we were doing our 53. But, I mean, Larry Roundtree, to me now, is starting to climb up that depth chart. And if and if Jackson can't stay healthy, I mean, now we're talking he could be in the running for that RB2 spot. Yeah, I think what gives Jackson the leg up, provided he's healthy, is that he's a better receiver than the other three are. So that yes. probably gives him the inside track to running back too. But guy's never on the field. So doesn't matter what a good receiver you are or how good of a receiver you are if you can't stay on the field and you can't stay healthy. And I think that continues to be the knock on him is seems like every time he's on the field, he gets hurt and it takes forever for him to get back. So who knows what that looks like? But I think for sure, Bradwell and, um, and Roundtree offer something that Joshua Kelly just doesn't, you know, Kelly was a fourth round pick. Roundtree was a fifth round pick. Um, Bradwell was a, an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. So you would think that Kelly would have the inside track, but frankly, I mean, you know, they're trying to use him as a big back. He's not a big back. He might be a straight downhill runner, but that's just because he doesn't cut very well and he lacks vision. So he's not making people miss. Um, but you know, to me, Roundtree, Round, if Roundtree and and um, Bradwell can contribute on special teams, which Bradwell did, he had a special teams tackle on a kickoff return uh, during the game on Saturday. If both those guys can contribute on special teams, I think that might give them a leg up over somebody like a Joshua, uh, Joshua Kelly. Um, mm. And then for Jackson, it's all about health. I mean, yeah, Jackson, it he has he has his flashes where he's really exciting when he's on the field. He's just never on the field, so you really don't know. I mean, you don't know if you can rely on him or not. Right, right, right. 
Uh, so one more thing before we move on for me. I mean, I thought this first team offensive line held up nicely. And of course, Ron, uh, Rayshon Slater was a huge highlight. I mean, and I'm talking first team, that second team tackles were not as good. And Storm Norton did okay, but Trey Pipkins was a very tough watch the first time and a tough watch the second time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not doing a third. <laughs> but um, somebody who also stood out to me on the second watch uh, didn't really, I mean, I knew he was in the game, but didn't, uh, I guess, as much of appreciation for him as I did the second watch was the rookie, Brennan Hymas. I thought he played really, really well. I really liked what he contributed. And of course, I mean, how, you couldn't ask any more from the first round pick, Rashawn Slater. Yeah, Slater, what, 20 snaps, no pressures. Uh, made a couple of decent blocks in the run game. Uh, I actually thought there were a couple of blocks that uh, Tyree St. Louis had a couple of nice run blocks. There you go. No, he's not nothing special, not nothing great. But uh, I think there was the initial fourth down play they went on on the first drive where he, he sealed off the hole and gave, I think it was Jackson, it might have been Kelly, an opportunity to convert the first down. So Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, Hymas played well. I know there was a there was one play at least where he and Slater combined on a pancake on a yeah. running play. Uh and they the line held up pretty well, right up until about the point where they brought in Trey Pipkins. <laughs> and then it was good luck. And then you could see it, you could see it right away. Um, yeah, I, I mean, people keep pointing out to me, he's a developmental prospect. Great. At what point for how many years? Yeah. When does that, when do you stop clinging to that developmental tag? And when does he start developing? I'd (laughs) like to develop into like a George Clooney, Brad Pitt type. And uh, at some point I just got to let it go. Right. (laughs) I think that ship has sailed my friend. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about defense. Yeah, Unless so, you got somebody, do you have anybody else on offense? Uh, I was just going to point out just the wide receiver battle as a whole on offense. Um, not a lot of those guys stood out too much. You know, we talked about Joshua Palmer standing out. They mm-hmm. tried to get the ball to KJ Hill a little bit, but he was never open. And when he was, it didn't seem like he was looking for the ball. Um, they tried to push the ball down the field with Guyton. He didn't really make any plays. Didn't see much of uh, of Tyron Johnson. The one guy who did stand out, who was, who was starting to stand out later in camp, is Justin Moore. He had a couple nice third Jason. down or Jason Moore. He's had right. a couple nice third down catches. Um, I love the way he catches the ball with his hands instead of trying to trap it against his body. That drives me crazy. But um, yeah, not, not a whole, we didn't really see anything from Austin Prohl. It was really just uh, Joshua Palmer and Jason Moore who stood out in terms of making plays as receivers and that wide receiver three battle. And also, trying to stick stick at the bottom of the depth chart. Nobody else really did much of anything. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's Joshua Palmer and Jason Moore, and then it was just kind of everybody else. I don't think, and we'll get to special teams here towards the end, but I don't think KJ Hill or Joe Reed did anything to boost their stock. Um, I mean, Austin Prohl only had one return, and he had one catch, I believe. And so, um, you know, nobody's really moving the needle, but Jason Moore was a guy that definitely – kind of tacked onto his good camp, uh, Donald Parham, even though he's not part of the wide receiver group, the other kind of receiving weapon. But other than that, I mean, there was no other tight ends, no other wide receivers, no running backs, nobody. I mean, in, in terms of they didn't have a ton of offense in general, really, but um, most of their chunk plays came on on the ground. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there there isn't a ton to talk about because there wasn't a lot of people that made a ton of catches, but there are a lot of guys that are fighting for 
the end of those wide receiver spots and they did themselves no favors on Saturday. I agree. All right. So let's talk about defense and I know we could talk about the starters and, and uh, everybody else, but I want to talk about John Brandon because he was exciting. He of course, you know, made that big play, the huge interception in the red zone where it came off his man undercut the route in front of him, get the pick. It was really a savvy play. I mean, to leave his man and make a play on the ball with the Rams threatening there in the red zone and Staley raved about Brandon after the game and said he looked like in camp these last couple of days that the game has slowed down for him a little bit. And he also has a couple of interceptions at camp as well. So, you know, we know my Michael Davis, Chris Harris Jr., Sante Samuel Jr. are locks, but guys like Ryan Smith and Brandon Faison have been banged up and out of practice. So, you know, there's probably a good chance Ryan Smith has a good chance of making this team because he was signed to really boost his special teams, but he hasn't been healthy. And then you look at guys like Brandon Faison and, you know, uh, Tavon Campbell and the guys towards the end, they're threatening to make this roster. And a guy like John Brannon, now that these other guys aren't healthy, I mean, he's, he's now in the mix for that fourth or fifth corner spot after his game on Saturday. Yeah. I thought there were, you know, there were three guys at the end of that cornerback depth chart who really stepped up and, and showed what they could do on Saturday. You mentioned Brannon with the pick, um, Kimon Hall had a special teams tackle. He, he forced a fumble. He had a blitz off the edge where he forced an incomplete pass. And the very next play, he broke up a pass on third down to force a punt. So he had a very nice, a very nice first uh, preseason game. And Dante Vaughn also had a pass breakup and had a couple tackles. So all three of those guys took advantage of the opportunities they might not have been getting had Faison or Ryan Smith been healthy. And they all really stepped up and they made some plays and they contributed to what was really an overall very solid defensive performance, even though it was with the backups on the field. Right. Defense played quite well and the corners had a lot to do with that. So those three corners in particular played really well. And like you mentioned, a guy like Brandon Faison, we assume he's a lock to make the roster. He's been out for personal reasons for the last week or so, did not dress on uh, Saturday. Who knows what things look like for him? Uh, you'd assume he's probably going to make the roster, but if if a guy like Brandon, who's got a little bit of size and can run, and obviously has some ball skills, continues to make some plays in the preseason, or if uh, you know Kimon Hall continues to be scrappy and come up with plays, maybe one of those guys sneaks onto the back of the roster, and that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, no, you know things can get stagnant at those last few spots on the roster sometimes with guys they just keep hanging on and hanging on even though they're not contributing and you know, if they can show that they can contribute on special teams and they can help out when they get their opportunities on defense, you know, maybe you take a shot at a guy like Kimon Hall or uh, a guy like Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, to your point, that's exactly right. I mean, sometimes teams just continue to keep these bottom of the roster guys. Uh, they love their stories and they've been with the team. They're familiar, but Brandon Faison, I mean, this, this could be that year. It's getting a little stale for me. And I would love to shake it up with, a, you know, maybe a Hall or a Brandon or somebody that makes a case for it. Because what I saw John Brandon is something I haven't seen from face on in a long, long time. So, and this obviously is preseason and we're talking about, you know, non-starters and all that second, third stringers, but still great play from Brandon. And uh, let's, let's move on. Is there, what other storylines you got from the defense from Saturday? Um, I mean, I think the big storyline that everybody was raving about was just how fast and how aggressive the Chargers were with their linebackers, both in terms of the blitz packages. We saw some creative ways of creating pressure with with the linebackers and the defensive ends and the edge players, moving guys around, even sending corners off the edge. But, you know, Kaiser White looked fantastic on Saturday. Fast, explosive, 
big hitter. He blew up that screen on third down on the first possession to end that first drive. Uh, just read it all the way, beat his man to his spot and made a big tackle. Uh, yep. They, they blitzed uh, Drew Tranquil a couple times and he looked good, co- you know, anticipating whole gaps and, and uh, forcing bad throws from the quarterback. Um, just, I thought watching the way that they were aggressive and they weren't just vanilla with their pressure packages in the preseason, seeing them kind of unleash tranquil and unleash white. Haven't even seen them do that with, with uh, Kenneth Murray yet, but you got to figure that's coming too at some point. Um, just kind of putting people on notice that, Hey, we're going to move pieces around and we're going to attack and we're not just going to sit back in his own defense and let you pick us apart to see that in the preseason. It just gets me excited for what we're going to see in the regular season, because I think, Things are going to get much more exotic, and we're going to see much, you know, more blitz packages, more pressure coming from all kinds of different angles. And it's not just going to be Bosa and Fakro or Bosa and Nuosu coming from their same spot on the line every time. They're going to mix it up, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, Tranquil and White, while only in for a limited time, they really made their presence felt. I mean, Tranquil on that blitz came so hard. Got excuse me. Uh, hey, I've got a <laughs> got a QB hit to force it a completion. <laughs> hey now, uh, <laughs> and you he you mentioned fast. Kai's, thank you. He came fast and hard, and Kaiser White uh, <laughs> on that dump off to uh, Jake Funk was a thing of beauty. I mean, you you talked about it. I mean, he he sniffed it out as soon as he saw it. He beat his man and he got a five yard loss on it. And I cannot wait to see those two dudes unleash this season. So, uh, so uh, moving on to a, another storyline. I mean, there was a guy that we had been talking about. Um, he's kind of our dude, and people hit us up on Twitter about it when he gave up the touchdown. But it was Amen Abagamiga, who had a real rough opening sequence. He had two different blown coverages on that, one of which, of course, was the Rams' lone touchdown. But after that, and I don't know if it was nerves or not, but after that, it seemed like Amen calmed down. He finished tied with third on the team in tackles, uh, made some good plays in the run game. Coverage was always kind of his, wasn't his bag. I mean, that wasn't his strong suit. But in the run game, he looked good. And after that, I felt like he calmed down and things kind of started to slow down for him a little bit there. And uh, I did like him after that first sequence. Um, I thought there were some uh, a lot more splash plays. I know, obviously, the touchdown was a rough go. But still, I thought Abang Amiga played pretty well after that first sequence. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had a rough first sequence, that first pass, um, he got caught flat footed and let, didn't, didn't drop deep enough, let the receiver get behind him. Um, the touchdown, I mean, he was matched up with a wide receiver in the slot who hit him with a pretty mean double move. And most linebackers are going to get beat by that. I mean, not to make excuses. He did get beat. He did give up the touchdown, but it's kind of hard to blame him for getting beat by that out and up post move that they made in the, in the end zone. That was a, ridiculous move and a great throw. So, um, you know, coverage isn't his thing. He's there for special teams. He did show up in the run game. You mentioned he made some tackles in the run game, kind of settled down. Um, seemed like he was the guy who was, um, in charge of making sure everybody was where they were supposed to be on special teams. I saw him on the field counting people a couple times, uh, on, uh, I think it was on extra points or field goal attempts. Um, and he, you know, he was chasing people down, making plays. I thought he and Nick Neiman both played pretty well. Neiman was a little bit better. Yes. He was better in coverage. He played faster. He didn't seem like he was thinking as much. Didn't seem like the game was too fast for him. Whereas with uh, Amen, I think early on it was a little fast for him. 
Uh, but both those guys, I thought, settled in and played pretty well. And both those guys, I think, have a chance to really contribute on special teams. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Uh, I just wanted to point out how well the the depth from the defensive line played in that game on Saturday. We saw some guys step up and make plays. Chris Rumpf had a half a sack. He also had a big special teams tackle, uh, which was good to see him on special teams. I didn't realize they were using him in that role. Yep. Dan Gaziano played really well. Mm-hmm. He kept showing up, uh, creating penetration, had a big run stop, I think, on the first possession uh, for, the, for the Rams. Uh, Forrest Merrill looked like a wrecking ball. Very, yeah. very heavy hands, just kind of throwing guys out of the way and exploding through gaps and making plays. And even um, Jesse Lemonnier uh, showed up a couple times and flashed around the edge. So all guys at the back of the depth chart, um, some more so than others who were competing for opportunities. Uh, Merrill's a guy who might start sneaking into some discussions if he continues to play that way. He's He offers some size that some of the uh, interior defensive linemen don't necessarily add. And he's still pretty explosive with that size. So be interested to see how they how they integrate him into the defense here moving forward and if he gets some more opportunities based on the way he played on Saturday. But he surprised me. I wasn't expecting much out of him and he looked really good. I like how you was it Lemonnier? Is it's, that how you pronounce it's it? It's Lemonnier, yeah. It is? Yeah. Oh, and I've been pronouncing it like a white person, Lemonier <laughs> this whole time. Awesome. <laughs> uh before we get off offense defense, I I mean just as a whole this rookie class really showed out this first game. I mean, we saw uh, Rayshon Slater, uh, boss, best possible opening drive you could ask for from a rookie left tackle. 20, 21 snaps, no pressures. Sante Samuel made his presence felt. He had a huge hit on that Rams opening drive. We saw Joshua Palmer lead the team in receptions, yards. He was that third down weapon. Trey McKitty had 13 snaps and didn't really do much with it. But, you know, you talked about Rumpf, who had the half a sack and some tackles on special teams. Hymas was a highlight on the O-line. Nick Neiman led the team in tackles. Larry Roundtree was the leading rusher. You see the game, probably one of the best players of that game, and Mark Webb didn't play because he tweaked a hammy. But from top to bottom, really, really effective. Guys made a lot of plays. And, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about second, third string guys going for the Rams and for the Chargers. But you got to love this uh, output from the rookies. Yeah, I mean, it, in the preseason, it's all about making the most of your opportunities and giving the coaches a reason to continue to put you out there. And like you said, all those guys did that. Palmer was amazing, looked really, really good. You mentioned Roundtree. Uh, Neiman, I thought, looked really fast. Um, oh, yeah. He very was so good active. Athlete. Yeah, very active. Closed very quickly on some pass routes um, to to get guys on the ground before they were able to pick up first downs. Uh, he looked really, really good. Um, I the group the group as a whole played really well and the coaches have to be really proud that they they looked as good as they did in their first preseason action that the moment wasn't too big the lights weren't too bright and they stepped up and played well all right everybody's favorite group special teams let's talk about it because there was a lot of highlights in this game and not much you can complain about and then special teams came along (laughs) and said (laughs) how about me well let's start with the positive and the positive is obviously tristan viscaino Um, Yeah, seems to be climbing the depth chart. He was the one getting the live kicks in the first half, made two field goals, um, one from short distance, one from a little bit further out, strike both of them, looked really good. Um, They didn't even really use Michael Badgley until they needed an extra point. Uh, And it seems like Vizcaino is the guy who uh, special teams coach Darius Swinton is kind of handpicking for that that kicker role. And Mm -hmm. he seems like he's kind of, 
you know, grabbing it by the short and curly, so to speak, and taking advantage of his opportunities. So um, he looked really good. Rated our version of the lightning round <laughs> podcast, baby, on this Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, he, Vizcaino kicked really well, and hopefully we get to see more of him, and he continues to push Badgley further and further down the depth chart because that kicking position has to change. Yeah, yeah, and and today we learned it's going to be just Vizcaino and Badgley because Kessman got cut today so there's only two kickers and it seems like Tristan moved ahead of Badgley after this game made his two kicks and that was the positive and then came the coverage units and outside of the kickoff after halftime which they covered well when the returner took it out of the end zone they shouldn't have there were multiple penalties there were a couple delay of games a holding they had an illegal substitution they gave the Rams a first down when they were lined up to punt I mean this was bad in terms of execution and the return game obviously the coverage units didn't do good there either so yeah the the punt return coverage was terrible uh there were yeah. a lot of issues i thought um on multiple occasions the punters outkicked their coverage and made it difficult for guys to get down there and make plays uh i noticed right off the bat there's a big problem with guys being able to change direction on a dime and and adjust mm-hmm. to a cutting return man guys are getting their ankles broken and falling down and losing their balance left and right. It's, it's ugly. Uh, and they all, they look slow. They're slow getting down there. Now, part of that is the punters out kicking the coverage, but part of that is they just don't seem to have a whole lot of speed on special teams, which is kind of concerning. Um, and that, that of course led to some big returns and you mentioned the sloppiness. Now first preseason game, especially on special teams, you're rotating guys in and out who are second, third and fourth stringers. A lot of guys who might not even make the team. Some guys Mm -hmm. have never played special teams before. Um, So you expect some of that substitution issues. Uh, The holding penalty was a big problem. They were just sloppy. They just weren't, they weren't ready. They were sloppy. It was bad. Hopefully it'll get better. You got to figure they're going to hit the special teams really hard here uh, this week, leading up to the next preseason game. They definitely need it. I can't imagine Swinton is at least bit happy or, or Brandon Staley for that matter. Um, Yeah, it was bad. I thought, I thought the kick coverage wasn't – I didn't think the kick coverage was that bad. It was just the punt coverage for the most part. Um, they had some nice tackles. I, I noted um, Chris Rumpf, Darius Bradwell, Kimon Hall, and Emeka Egbule all made tackles and special teams on, on kick coverage. Big hits for all of them, and they, they kept the returns relatively short. I don't – outside of maybe one, the opening kickoff, I don't think any of the kicks got – the kick returns got past the twenty. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that. I know the opening one did, um, mm-hmm. but I thought the the kickoff coverage was decent. It was the slot, the punt return that was excessively sloppy, really ugly. Got to hope it gets better. I mean, they like I said, you're you're running a lot of scrubs in and out of there, guys. Some guys who aren't even going to make the team, trying to make it work. Uh, obviously, having communication issues. Uh, I think Brandon Staley mentioned there was an issue on one of the punts where they weren't planning on using Chris Rump in the. Um, I think it was punt on the punt team in the second half, but nobody told him that. So he went out there and they had a substitution issue because they had 12 men on the field just because uh-huh. nobody communicated with him. So yeah. there are some communication issues that need to get, get fixed and hopefully the play gets a whole lot better too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then in terms of the turners, I mean, like we had talked about going into the 53 that we did, I mean, there's just no explosion there. Between KJ Hill and Joe Reed, I mean, there was nothing there. And, uh, you know, they neither of them helped themselves out in terms of 
the receiver competition or the returner competition and the chargers, like you were talking about on, on teams, they just don't have the explosion. They have got to get an athlete to add some speed as a returner. There just isn't that guy. I hate, I hate watching KJ Hill, a possession receiver go down like he is at the goal line and just kind of wheedle his way into a crowd and go down before the 20. I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't love seeing him return balls anymore. Joe Reed had a little bit of speed. Pearl did too, but nobody did anything and there wasn't much there. I just, I don't know where that athlete's coming from. Pearl's got the speed, but they, uh, we just haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Pearl, I think had a decent punt return, didn't he? Yeah. 10, 12 yards, something like that. I think he was the only one who had a punt return of any significance. Um, it was 14. Was it 14? I, I knew it was yeah. something like that. Reed had one decent kick return, but he was kind of weaving in and out of traffic and never really got a full, ste- a full head of steam going uh, yeah. up the field. Um, and K- I mean, KJ Hill, I, I get it. He was a draft pick. They're probably trying to justify drafting him and keeping him by fitting him on special teams. Uh, but I mean, to have him returning kicks over Nasir Adderley is ridiculous. I'm sure they're trying to protect Adderley and keep him healthy, uh, but there has to be a better option. He's just, there's no wiggle. There's no explosion. Uh, he's just, there's no short area of quickness. There's just nothing there. He's not making people miss. He's not going to run away from anybody is KJ Hill. There's nothing there to scare anybody. Not a whole lot of reason to expect big plays with KJ Hill back there returning kicks or punts. It's just not a, it doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence that that's, that's their number one return man right now. Yeah. We'll see you next week when the Chargers play the 49ers for preseason number two, and we'll be back to discuss it. Thank you all guys so much for listening. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter, Jamie. At lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.